welcome to Radio Drama Revival, the show dedicated to stories told through the medium of sound, showcasing the diversity and vitality of modern audio theater. Here your news, reviews, discussion, and of course, stories. I am your host, Fred, and that great theme music is by Roger Gregg of Crazy Dog Audio Theater. Um, here we are entering um, second week of September 2011 here, and um, as we usually say, Radio Drama Revival is the something completely different audio drama showcase show, um, and so we move from the wonderful land of Jack Flanders, ZBS, um, Inverness, uh, to something completely different. Um, this week, we have a brand new, fresh off the press, so to speak, um, audio play called The Flying Bike by Carl Hirsch. And, um, Carl is uh, new to audio drama, but not new to creating, and um, sort of, I think, has been uh, feeling out whether whether what people are going to think of this um, off-the-wall um, audio drama. And I guess the, the the only way I could explain it is, is sort of a, a mockumentary of uh, the creative process and the Hollywood uh, filmmaking process. And it's pretty much a, a, a story about how an awful movie gets made, which um, I think is brilliant. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I hear a lot of submissions to the show, a um, lot of um, interesting work, new work. Um, but what really it gets me excited is when I hear a piece of work that surprises me as this work is done, um, just totally comes across my desk and does something that I haven't really heard in audio drama before. Um, so I'm hoping that you will like it as much as I do. It's uh, funny. Um, <laughs> it's, uh, you know, it, what's great to have is audio uh, commenting on Hollywood because um, I think a lot of us feel the same way about all this. It's it's almost like if you've heard Roger Gregg's um, uh, son drive boulevard there's like a little uh, intro scene with a hollywood producer it's kind of the extended version of that interaction um here with carl hirsch in the in the in the bike flying bike um before we have this new feature though we do actually have uh captain radio again with one of his excellent reviews captain radio captain radio what do you have for us this week Greetings, Audionauts. Captain Radio here with a review of Scott Spaulding's mobster series, This Thing of Ours, from Decorated Air Theater, made possible by Rode Microphones. Passionate, unique audio transforms our world. You start with Rode. Visit RodeMic.com. That's R-O-D-E-M-I-C dot com. Well, who's this guy? One of them Hell's Kitchen boys, them Westies punks. He says he was paid by our friend Frankie Nose to do this. I'm finding that very hard to believe. He said the old man is really worried about these indictments that are coming down and that he's been talking to the feds. I told him no freaking way. But he reassured me there was nothing to worry about, that everything was okay to do it. So I did it. You understand? Right? Any Godfather genre fan can probably envision what comes next. 1918 producer and sound designer Matt Bedreau, who cameos here as failed Irish mob hitman Jimmy O'Connor. So, welcome back to 1977 NYC in the Colombo crime family reign, as viewed through the eyes of three Cosa Nostra brothers. First-person narrator Carmine Santarelli, voiced by Joe Rodriguez, Angelo Narducci, voiced by Scott Larson, and Joey Eightball Scarfiti, voiced by David Collins Rivera. Frank and Mary's diner. Me, Angie, and Joey are there most mornings. Good food, and they leave you alone. All three of us grew up together and work in the same crew under our capo Stevie Cakes, who owns a bakery in Little Italy. I got three brothers and two sisters, and I'll tell you what, Ange and Joey are as close to me as any of them are. I take a bullet for them, and they do the same for me. 
A commercial content audio producer for Philadelphia's Propulsion Media Lab, Scott Spaulding has acquired considerable expertise fashioning punchy, audio-rich commercial content while also creating, as he terms it, occasional theater-of-the-mind spots. Over a decade ago, series writer-producer Spaulding became a fascinated reader of the many excellent, best-selling American Underworld insider exposés. Already an avid old-time radio fan, Spaulding also very recently stumbled upon modern online audio drama. Soon, he conceived, scripted, and began independent production of This Thing of Ours, which opens with boss Nikki, the old man Rosselli, narrowly surviving O'Connor's hit attempt. Seriously peeved up-and-comer mafioso Santorelli enforces the botch strike against his beloved godfather, albeit with latent uneasiness afterward. You see, these past few years, we, the Colombo family and the Westies, have had a nice little business arrangement. If we had some work that needed to be done and didn't want to get our hands dirty for whatever reason, we'd reach out to them. Now, that business relationship by no means meant we trusted or even liked each other. But to go after the boss? That didn't make no sense. Spaulding's extensive experience producing commercial audio shines through the carefully woven soundscape details. His colorful, surprisingly empathetic characters who exude macabre camaraderie and congeniality while being engulfed in intrigue hooked me thoroughly enough so that I craved a bit more storytelling and a bit fewer stretches of echoing dramatic footsteps punctuated by door openings and closings. Listen to the premiere episode of Scott Spaulding's This Thing of Ours at decoratedairtheater.wordpress.com with theater spelled T-H-E-A-T-R-E where new episodes will appear each month. Until next time, Audionauts, this is Captain Radio, signing off. All right, great. Thank you, Captain Radio. Excellent review, CaptainRadio.com. Um, and that thing of ours, just check out the uh, website for show notes. And if you want to make a radio drama or want to submit a radio drama, hit up the Radio Drama Revival website. There's a submit link as well as our guide on creating radio drama there with links to other resources. Um, and now on to The Flying Bike by Carl Hirsch. And we actually have a couple words from uh, Julie Hoverson of 19 Nocturne Boulevard about this, prefacing the work. This is Julie from 19 Nocturne Boulevard, and I've been asked to say a few words about what I like about the flying bike. Now, this is not your standard audio drama being, it's not sci-fi, it's not horror, it's not, you know, it's a, it's a story about a guy writing a screenplay. It's really, really quite fun. And it's nice, it's really refreshing to see somebody doing something that's just like a drama, I guess. He's really taken a flyer to present us with something different, and it's worth listening to. Thanks. <laughs> Bye. The Flying Bike, Part 1. In... Three, two, one, go. Gary Davis is a 28-year-old screenwriter. Gary sits at his desk. He sips on a cup of coffee and stares at a computer screen, waiting for an idea to appear. Okay. Suddenly, Gary gets an idea. The idea is a little cloudy, but he knows that something is coming. He sits up a little. He looks at the keyboard, looks at the screen, and then he types the first letter of his next great screenplay. The letter P. And at that precise moment, the idea completely vanishes. He slumps back in his chair. Thirty minutes later, Gary paces back and forth through the living room, thinking, trying to remember his idea or to formulate a new one. Twenty minutes after that, Gary washes all of the dirty dishes. Then he takes out the trash. 
Thirty minutes after that, he cleans the bathroom. He cleans the sink and the counter with an all-purpose cleaner and a scrubbing pad. He scrubs the toilet, the bowl, the seat, and even the bottom portion near the floor. An hour and a half after that, Gary sits at his computer again. Still, the only thing there is the letter P. Nothing else enters his mind. Nothing at all. Gary walks into the kitchen and opens a beer. Forget it. It's 11.45 a.m. That night, around 9 p.m., Gary is watching TV. There's a half-eaten pizza on the coffee table and four empty beer bottles. Gary's roommate, Bob Cutler, comes through the front door, carrying a bag of groceries. Hey, Gary. What's up, Bob? What's going on? Nothing. Bob is not a writer. He works at a record store in the mall. Hey, can you grab me a beer out of there? Okay. Bob gets a beer for Gary and a Dr. Pepper for himself. Bob joins Gary on the sofa. So, how's the script coming along? Fine. Need any help? <laughs> no. What you watching? Nothing. What are you looking at me like that for? What's going on, man? Well, are you okay? Fine, why? Well, you just seem like sad or something. No, I'm not sad. I'm working on a script right now, Bob. I told you that already. But you're watching TV. It's a process, Bob. Sometimes you write on paper and sometimes you write in your mind. Writing in your mind? Yes. That's what I'm doing right now. I'm writing in my mind. What are you writing in your mind about? Well, right now, I'm writing in my mind about a guy with a really annoying roommate. Sorry. Hey, maybe I can help you write. <laughs> I don't think so. Why not? Because I'm a writer, Bob, and you're not. Well, maybe I could be a writer, too. I don't think so. You know, everywhere I go, people are writing all the time. How hard could it be if everyone else is doing it? Just trust me, okay? Sitting around, writing all the time instead of having a job, or just writing in your mind, even? That all sounds pretty fun to me. It sounds fun, huh? It's not fun. It looks fun. All right. You want to try to write? Kinda. Really? Kinda. What do you want to write about? I don't know. Maybe like my life. Like working in the record store and being 24 years old and not knowing what to do with my life, you know? And then what? That's it. Well, that's not going to work, man. But I see movies like that all the time. Yeah, but these producers and agents, man, all they want are stupid movies. If it's too smart or whatever, they get all confused and disoriented and they don't call you back and then they start lying to you for no reason. So don't do that. We need a stupid movie. You know, movies with cops or mobsters or serial killers or stupid movies for kids. Well, then let me help you, man. If you need stupid ideas, I have stupid ideas about all sorts of things all the time. I'm sure you do. But I need stupid ideas that's pertinent to writing a script. Oh... Look, if, if you think it's so much fun, instead of helping me, why don't you just write your own script? Write my own script? Yeah, whatever, why not? Yeah, okay. Yeah, okay, I'll do it. I'll totally do it. Will you help me if I get stuck? Sure, man, whatever. Cool. So what do I do first? 
Well, Bob, first, you have to think of a story. Anything except for the one about working in the record store. You can't do that. But I like that one. It sucks. Try something else. Okay. Anything. Uh, I don't know. Come on, Bob. Anything, man. Say anything that comes to your mind. Uh, Tree, cat, no, dog, no. bumblebee. Come I on. I don't know. I can't think of anything. All right. Okay. All right. That's a good start. Calm down. Now think about it some more. Let's see. Something fun and stupid. Right. How about aliens? Okay. No. Vampires. Okay. No. Ninjas. Wait, hold on. What about vampires versus ninjas? No. How about vampires that wait. are ninjas? So they're like vampire wait, ninjas. Wait. No. Or what about ninja stop. vampires, but wait, stop. Actually, stop. In reality, they're stop. aliens in disguise. Stop. What if they read mine? Stop. What if they're really zombies? Stop. What if stop? They... That's too stupid. No. Look, maybe you should think about it some more. How about writing in your mind, in your room? Oh, yeah. In my mind. Like you. Right. Okay. Cool. I'm going to go think of a story right now, in my mind. See you later. Okay. Have fun, then. It's totally fun. Day number one. Outside a coffee shop on Beverly Boulevard, Bob sits at a table before going to work. He has a blank yellow notepad, ready to write down ideas for his new story. I have to think of a story. Something fun and stupid. And then, two kids race right by him on their bikes. Bikes? Kids like bikes. He watches the kids stop their bikes at a market on the corner. Bikes are cool. He writes on his notepad, Kids, Bikes, Market. A little later, Bob is driving to work in his Toyota Corolla. Something with kids and bikes. Maybe a story about a kid who has a bike. Through the windshield, he sees a helicopter soaring overhead. Helicopters are cool. He writes in his notepad, Helicopter. Bob is walking through the shopping mall on his way to work. He continues looking at everything and everyone around him, searching for inspiration. He walks by a novelty shop in the mall and looks into the display window. He sees a magician's starter kit, a cheap little playset for kids. There's a drawing on the outside of the box depicting a stereotypical magician. He takes his pad out of his knapsack and writes down another thought to his list. Magician. The Sonic Hut is a mall-based chain music store. This is where Bob works. Bob is behind the counter selling a CD to a dad with his 12-year-old daughter. A dad? The kid has a dad. As soon as the dad and his daughter are gone, Bob pulls his notepad out and writes his next great thought. A dad. A few hours later, it's lunchtime, which is always a nice time for Bob. He sits alone in the mall's food court. It's an intensely busy, bustling area, but Bob's mind is elsewhere. For lunch, he has one hot dog and one can of soda. Hmm, I like hot dogs. Hey, yeah! Bob scribbles on his notepad again. Hot dog, soda. Hot dogs are awesome. Meanwhile, it's another day of writing for Gary. He paces through the living room with his morning coffee, just thinking. 
A little while later, Gary watches his Volkswagen go through an automatic car wash. He sees the various lights, mechanisms, spray nozzles, piles of foam, and the dangerous-looking hot wax emergency siren. None of this inspires him. He's starting to get depressed. Later, inside a rundown Hollywood laundromat, Gary sits on a dryer, one in a long row of dryers. He is facing a washing machine, which sloshes his clothing around in a circular motion. The moving laundry soon puts Gary in a trance of sorts. A trance of nothing. He starts to see an image appear inside the washer, like an apparition within his clothes. It's a letter of the alphabet, fading into view. Eventually, he can see it clearly. It's the letter P. Perhaps the letter P means something that he should consider the letter P as a sign. But he knows better. The letter, sadly, is the only idea he's got. That evening, Bob returns home to find Gary sleeping on the sofa, a half-empty bottle of whiskey on the table. I got it. You what? What? A story, man. I got an idea for our story. You want to hear it? No. Okay, so, it's a story of this kid, okay? So, this kid, like, he moves from the city to a small town with his dad, but, like, he's the loner at school because he's the new kid. He doesn't have any friends or anything, and he's lonely all the time, so he gets a magic flying bike. A magic bike? No, a magic flying bike. How does he get a magic flying bike? Aha! By a magician. A weird, crazy, spooky magician who lives in this old scary house down the street that everyone says is haunted. Wait, what? I know, right? It's awesome. Kids like bikes, so kids would totally like a magic bike that flies. From a haunted house. Yeah! Why don't you just go ahead and make the bike talk too, Wyatt? Oh my god, why didn't I think of that? Yes! No, man, I was just That kidding. is such a good idea, like a magic flying talking bike. I was just joking, man. And he could be funny, too. Like, everyone's normal and everything, but then here he comes, the magic flying talking bike, and he's all like a wisecracking talking bike who's really funny. You done? Yes. So that's the story I want to do, so I got that. Now, what's next? Do I just start writing it or what? Yeah, sure. Cool. Bob heads for Gary's computer, sits down, and starts typing. One letter at a time. T-H-E. All right, man, I'm going to bed, so uh, have fun with that. Okay. Bob finishes typing the title of his new creation, The Magic Talking Flying Bike, all rights reserved. Awesome. Day number five. Gary. Gary! Gary! What? Do you still think you should be a magician? No. Yeah, me too. Who should it be then? How about a pawn shop owner? Pawn shop owner. Great. Thanks. Day number seven. Gary! What, man? What? Okay. The pawn shop owner gives the kid the bike, but I can't think of why. 
How about because he doesn't want the kid to barge in on him while he's taking a shower? It's a woman. Who's a woman? It's a pawn shop owner. It's a pawn shop woman. Why do you think she would give him the bike? How about she gives it to him, but she winks at him? Why would she do that? She winks at him, like, you know, like they both have a secret. That's what they always do in those stupid movies that don't make any sense. Oh, okay. Great, thanks. Day number nine. So lightning strikes the bike? Lightning strikes the garage. It hits the bike, and then the bike starts talking. That's so cool. Uh Uh-huh. See you later, man. I wonder how it talks. Hello? How does it talk? How does who what? The bike. How does the bike talk? I don't know, man. He's supposed to be funny, right? Yeah, I know. But is it like Eddie Murphy funny or is it like Dana Carvey funny? I don't know, man. Dana Carvey funny. Okay. Thanks. What? Talking. Figure it out on your own, man. This is your thing. Why don't you write some of it for a change? But you're better than me. All right, all right. Uh, how about some bullies at school who beat him up all the time, and the bike helps him defeat the bullies? That's great. It's literally the first thing I thought of. Okay, I won't bother you anymore. Seriously, man? What? Day number 11. Hello? Gary, I forgot. How does he get the girlfriend again? Human sex trafficking. Oh, really? Yeah. See ya. Hi, Bob. That doesn't sound right. Oh, right. Um, how about uh, she won't notice him because she's the lead bully's girl... But when the magic bike defeats the bullies, she thinks that he's really cool. Oh, how does he defeat the bullies? Uh, they steal things and the bike stops them. So, the magic flying talking bike stops the bullies from stealing things. How does he do that? Magic. Yeah, that's right. Wow, you are a really good writer. Uh-huh. Day number 20. It is nighttime in unit number four. Gary stumbles through the front door. He's in a rotten mood and drunk. He heads to the kitchen, opens the fridge, and starts eating some leftover Chinese food. On his way to the sofa, something catches his eye. Sitting on his desk is a typewritten, fully bound screenplay. Gary sits at the desk and reads a post-it note on the front of the script. The note reads, Gary... Here it is. This is totally fun. Underneath the post-it note is the new title of the script. The Flying Bike. Gary isn't sure how to react. On the one hand, Gary feels insanely jealous because Bob was able to complete an entire screenplay while he himself could only think of one letter. On the other hand, Gary feels insanely jealous because Bob is, in fact, having fun. And then, Gary is struck with a most amazing sensation, something he hasn't felt in years. With all of this jealousy building up and boiling over, 
Somehow, strangely, he couldn't wait to read it. Day number 22. Gary sits inside an old bar near Hollywood Boulevard. He is sitting in a red vinyl booth near the back of the place and is on his third vodka rocks. Bob enters the bar. He spots Gary in the back and heads over, gushing with annoying enthusiasm. Hey there, Gary. You want a drink? Actually, yeah, I do. All right, we'll go get one. All right. A Bud Light, please. Seven bucks. Oh, okay. So, did you read it? I did. What do you think? Bob, I don't know what else to say, dude. It's terrible. Oh my god, really? Yeah, man. Well, why? What's wrong with it? Okay, first of all, the kid, you have to give him a name. You can't just call him the kid. Well, I couldn't think of anything else. And you were busy that day. You have to call him something. Just think of a name, anything. I don't know. Carl, Danny, um, Peter, Bobby. Uh, Bobby's sort of my name. Okay, cool. Change it to Bobby. The next problem is your dialogue. What? I just wrote it like people talk. Really? Here, listen to this. Hi there. Are you a magician? Why, yes, I am, young man. Do you live in that house? Yes, I do, son. I chill there. The kids say it's a haunted house. Yes, I know they do. That makes me real, real, real mad. mad. Yeah. And it goes on from there through the whole. That sounds even better out loud. Read some more. Bob, people do not talk like this. That's not what Howard Franson said. What? Howard Franson? The producer, Howard Franson? Yeah. He said it was the best thing he's read in years. What? I know. He wants to meet with us tomorrow. Wait a second. He wants to meet with us? Why does he want to meet with us? You wrote this, not us. But you helped me out so much, I didn't feel like I wrote it all by myself. So we wrote it. Was that bad? Yes, that was bad. Don't you know who Howard Franson is? He's one of the most famous TV producers ever. And I'm supposed to be meeting with him? With this? Man, I'm gonna shoot myself in the face. Sorry, man. Okay. You know what, Bob? Okay, I'll take the meeting. I mean, we'll take the meeting, fine. But if it doesn't work out, which it won't, don't you ever put my name on this or anything else of yours ever again. You got it? Got it. Okay, what time is the meeting? Three o'clock. Day number 23, 3.20 p.m. Bob and Gary are sitting before a massive, perfectly clean desk in a massive, perfectly clean office in Beverly Hills. They face a man behind the desk. This is 65-year-old Howard Franson. From the various awards and artwork all around the office, it's clear that Howard is an accomplished producer, or was 30 years ago. This is brilliant. A kid and a magic flying bike. It talks too, you know. Who came up with this great idea anyway? Well, I came up with the idea, but Gary here helped a lot with the other stuff. <laughs> yeah. Well, I especially like the idea of calling the main character The Kid. He doesn't have a name, just The Kid. There's a certain heroism to that, don't you think? Like the Duke. <laughs> yeah, like, like, like the Duke. Like the Duke. 
And Madonna. Exactly. And Rihanna. A what? It's Rihanna. 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 You what now? Rihanna? Rihanna. Rihanna. What the hell are you guys talking about? Come on. Uh, nothing, nothing. Uh, please, continue. Okay. What was I saying? The dialogue. No! Yes, the dialogue. Thank you. I must say, it's really quite clever. Wait, what? Oh, yes. Now, I love the part where the pawn shop woman looks the kid in the eye and says, Hey, kid, how do you like a special bike? And she winks. Yes. Oh, they've got a special connection with that wink. That's, yes, they do. Yes, that's how you communicate ideas with your audience visually. Yes. That's very advanced, guys. Very advanced. Oh, I love this. Thank you very much, Howard Franson. Oh, you got to be kidding me. Well, as you probably know, my main specialty is television. But I'd like to kick it around with my buddies at the studios, maybe send this to some studio writers for a polish, and then... Wait, 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 wait. I'm sorry, Mr. Franson. Did you say a polish? Yeah. Well, didn't you just say that? Shut it, up, Bob. But he said that it was. Stop, Bob. But he just said. Stop, please, but stop. I don't know if I. Come on, goddammit. Bob, you know, there is a phrase in this business. It's all about the PBI, the project's best interest. Now remember that one. That one's mine. I never heard that before in my life. Oh, yes. Once you write it, it's not yours anymore. It's itself, it's the project. And in order to be successful, truly successful, you must honor whatever is in the PBI, the project's best interest. Get it? Yeah, I get it, but... Well, here's I... what it's all about. This is what it really means. Howard opens a drawer and produces a pre-printed contract, all ready to go. I'll pay you 20 grand for the script outright right now. Then I'll shop it around, have it rewritten. Who knows, maybe get it made someday. Rewritten? You've got a deal, Mr. Franson. Excellent. Howard and Gary shake hands. Bob shakes hands with Howard, too, but reluctantly. Bob feels a little defeated, as if he has just seen his entire future slide away before him. All right, what do you say, fellas, we wrap this up, huh? They're shooting my segment on Beyond the Camera in, oh, geez, half an hour. No problem. Uh, we'll be in touch. Come on, Bob. We, I, Bob, come on. So long, fellas. Thanks for coming by. Howard walks across to a small sink and mirror. He washes his hands, admires himself in the mirror, and checks his teeth. He smiles wide and speaks to his reflection. Hi, I'm Howard Franson, the showmaker. Outside, Bob and Gary exit through the glass doors of the building onto Beverly Drive, each of them feeling much different than before. That was awesome, man. You want lunch? I'm buying you lunch. Now, wait a second. That was like our first offer, and you totally stepped in and took it. Now it's over. Bob. Bob. Bob, man, that was a gift from God. Anyone else would pay us not to read it. 20 grand for our script? That's unbelievable. Our script? That script was mine. Oh, right. Yeah, it was all you. Hey, I'm the one who came up with calling him the kid. Bob. All you did was make fun of me. Bob. Do you honestly want to go back up there and tell them to forget it? We should be hugging and kissing each other right now, man. I don't know, man. I don't feel very huggy and kissy towards you. Well, that's just because you're being a dumbass. Well, you're being a big bag of crap. I never knew that writing something stupid could be so easy. I wanted to write the thing about me in the record store. This really is fun. This isn't very fun at all. Hey, I gotta go. Yeah, me too. See you later. Yeah. 
Gary, full of renewed energy and hope, races home. He gets himself a can of Dr. Pepper from the fridge. Then he sits down in front of his computer. He creates a new document and starts writing his next screenplay. Vampire ninjas who are actually aliens in disguise. This is awesome. Meanwhile, Bob has gone back to work at the record store. He is angry, confused, and frustrated. With his yellow pad on the counter, he starts writing his next masterwork. Untitled screenplay about my life and working at the record store. Written only by Bob Cutler. And then, after much thought, all he can muster is one letter. The letter R. He crumples up the sheet of paper and throws it into the trash can. After a moment, he suddenly feels a strange need to find something to take his mind off his restlessness. So he gathers up the sides of the trash can liner, collects the trash, and heads for the back. He cleans the cash register. He wipes the countertops clean. He rearranges the classical CDs in perfect order. Five to a shelf, four shelves to a bin. Exactly. He rearranges storage boxes in the back room. He vacuums the floor of the entire store. None of it is enough. After work, Bob returns to the same old Hollywood bar, this time by himself. One Bud Light, please. Actually, no. Can I have a scotch and soda, please? Okay, $12. Bob retreats to the same booth in the back. He takes out his yellow notepad, but can't think of anything to write. His mind wanders. He feels trapped, lonely, experiencing writer's block for the very first time in his life. He looks into his drink. The ice and liquid are refracting and reflecting light, creating all kinds of shapes. Bob looks closer into his drink, and he sees a vision coming into view. Soon enough, the vision is clear. It's the letter R. Perhaps the letter R means something. Perhaps Bob might consider the letter as a sign. But he knows better. The letter, sadly, is the only idea he's got. to The Flying Bike, Part 1, starring Michael Buffo as Bob, Dominique Purdy as Gary, and Robert Donovan as Howard Franson, also featuring Lauren Proctor and narrated by the great Frank Montenegro, written by Carl T. Hirsch, and the story was co-written by Derek Filk, produced by Carl T. Hirsch and Lauren Proctor, and directed by Carl T. Hirsch. Podsafe music provided by MusicAlley.com and by the artist Bo Hall, Porno Soundtracks, Odyssey, and Brock McKenzie. Additional music provided by Uncommon Tracks of Chicago, Illinois. And original music provided by Jesse Rhodes and Cleveland Bledsoe Jr. Engineered by Ben Harrington and Tom Weir. Additional editing by Shauna Zosko. And recorded at Studio City Sound in beautiful Studio City, California. Special thanks to Janice Hansen, Mike Romer, Aura Gilgi, Stu Pollard, Noam Dromey, Stuart Gordon, Marvin Hamlet of the Audiobook People, Jason Bradley of Uncommon Tracks, 
Sean McManus of Audible.com, Tim Lundin, Mattia Carell, Estelle Harrison, Adam and Lisa Hanley, Richard Shankman, and Billy and Elizabeth Jett. In part two of The Flying Bike, Howard Franson goes on a date and reveals his secret about hunting tigers in Africa with Robert Mitchum. This program is a production of the Poncho Film Concern. For further information on this program, please visit our website, www.flyingbikemovie.com. For the Poncho Film Concern, I'm Sarah Tennessee Jett, and thank you very much for listening. All right, and that was Carl Hirsch with the Flying Bike Part 1 of 5. More episodes of that coming. The website is theflyingbikemovie.com. Quite misleading because, of course, it's not a movie. It's an audio drama about a movie, about a flying bike. (laughs) It's also on iTunes. You can follow. There's a blog and stuff. Uh, If you go to flyingbikemovie.com. And um, if you like this, do let uh, Carl know. There's a link to email him as well as a Facebook page there. Um, I think he's a little anxious about whether people think this is going to be an interesting piece of work. Um, like to give you a, give him a good radio drama revival shout out um, if you liked it half as much as I did, uh, which I hope you did. Um, yeah, all right. We're having more kind of a the diverse month here in September, featuring different artists, different stuff that we might not um, usually feature. Not a, a long serial, so well, we'll have something else to surprise you next week and. All in lead up to Halloween, just around the corner. Our October again will be full horror all month. Um, some great new projects. Carl Amari, um, who did the Twilight Zone dramas we featured back around Christmas time this year. Uh, Carl Amari is doing some new horror pieces, which are excellent. Um, really excited about those, and hopefully maybe be able to get you hooked up with hearing some this October. And um, of course, Transcontinental Terror is coming back. The Transcontinental Terror is a five-hour live audio drama streaming experience uh, myself on behalf of Final Room Productions with uh, Jack Ward's Electric Vicuna uh, Wireless Theater Company, Chatterbox Audio Theater, Icebox Radio Theater, and uh, Sam Mowry in the Willamette Radio Workshop out of Portland, Oregon, all joining forces for one night of horror on October 31st. Uh, love it. Um, Halloween is, of course, the, the big time of year for audio drama. In the meantime, I am also... Starting production of my show, The Cleansed. It's an epic audio um, post-apocalyptic serial. Um, four hours in season one starts production actually Saturday. Um, so by the time you hear this podcast, we might have already recorded some material on location in Maine. We're going to some great spots, including catacombs underneath some old historic mill buildings um, in the state of Maine. That's going to be a great project. Um, you won't hear any of The Cleansed till next March, but I think you'll feel that the wait is worth it. I hope so. In the end, <laughs> cool. Uh, 150 hours of original audio drama programming and more at radiodramarevival.com. Um, you can follow us on Twitter at radiodrama. We got a Facebook page, Radio Drama Revival, or iTunes. Search for Radio Drama Revival. That wraps it up for this week. Radio Drama Revival is produced by yours truly, Fred Greenhalgh. Copyright of individual shows remains their original producers, but do please share this show as far and widely as you like. Radio Drama Revival originates in on-air radio at WMPG FM. Greater Portland, Maine's community radio. It is podcast at radiodramarevival.com as a labor of love. Till next time, keep your mind and your ears open. Thanks for tuning in and have a great week. Mm-hmm.